0: Okay, it's, it's been a minute. Welcome back Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure, Michael Molinari. Fellas, it's been a heck of a summer. We've all been on different continents. Uh, obviously, there's big news to talk about and reflect upon, but look, look, this is a human podcast. Let's not be robots like a lot of the sports world. Yeah. How, how are you guys doing? How's your summers been as we kind of ramp up here into the fall?
1: The big news is Molinari came back, <laughs> I thought for sure. I was I was thinking this could be amical divorce from the U.S. time for him and the family. He could just take, they could start a Molinari empire somewhere in Italy. <laughs>
2: oh. so, te, Yogi Yogi Italy. The Molinari's went to Tahiti. Tahiti. So we and believe me, we almost we almost stayed if I could have afforded it. But uh, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> let's just put it this way: today at the uh, the farmers market in Manhattan Beach, I thought I was getting a deal. So that tells you what Tahiti costs. Right?
1: <laughs> there you go. There you go. And and uh, and and you know what's what's strange and, and Yogi, you know this from, from your time both playing and especially when you were coaching at USC. This is the dead time. Yeah. In athletics, it's the absolute dead time. In college yeah. athletics, it's the dead time. In the NFL, from really about the last week of June through the mid July is when everybody goes and especially football everybody goes offices are empty everybody takes their vacay because in the football world by late July you know you're starting to get guys trickling in and of course the fall sports will be starting not long after that for colleges so that's why just when you think you're going to have a quiet vacation just when George thought he was going up to Montana to escape for a couple of weeks yeah.
0: yeah. I think it's going to be one of those moments. And I want to ask you guys where you were when you found out, because I think we'll always go back to this moment in our lives of where were you when you heard that SC and UCLA were leaving? Uh, Ted, I don't even, I don't even know where, or who was in the country. I, I landed back in America. Ted, I think you were probably calling Wimbledon.
1: I was in Santa Monica, uh, on the air for tennis channel. We called, we called our Wimbledon matches from Santa Monica. And, uh, I work closely with several USC and UCLA grads, and I was in the middle of calling a match, and my phone's pinging from the control room. They're texting me, What the? So that's how I, and that's, and look, I'll just say this once, guys. I'm going to get off my chest up front here. Um, You know, that's how we know that's how George K found out (laughs) in Montana. Um, There is no reporting that I've seen to lead me to counter the fact that's how everybody in the conference found out, was through John Wilner. Credit John Wilner. Great job of reporting, as he's done for years on this conference. Um, Life lesson. I've taught my own kids this, and if I live long enough, I will teach my grandkids this. How you leave is a window into your character. How you leave a job, how you leave a partnership, how you leave a relationship, you know, you could extend it all away, how, you leave, how you leave a dinner party. <laughs> all of those things are a window into your character. And the one trait we all really treasure, I think all of us as human beings treasure, is our integrity. That's when your integrity shines, how you leave. And we've all now had fairly good reporting to tell us how they left. And I'm sad to say I'm still looking for the integrity.
2: Well, I found out in an overwater bungalow in Morea, in Tahiti, so I can't say that it ruined my day because I also figured it's two years down the road. But I, I would say the first thing that jumped in my mind immediately was back to 2011. What happened then in the Pac-12 media rights? Two longtime rivals, who people thought would never work together, stun the world. Fox and ESPN joining forces to take the rights in 2011. And fast forward to the next rights. So what happens? Two longtime rivals get together in secrecy, and stun everybody. So that's that's the first thing I thought of. But the thing that jumps out of my mind right now is how I've left some of Ted's dinner parties, and that concerns me a little bit. <laughs>
1: I'm so glad you said that because that's oh. just what I was thinking. And by, and by the way, the 2011, just just I don't want to be clear because again, look, we're all smart. We all understand why things like this happen. And it's not the first time. There was no integrity in the television deal in 2011. I was first party part of it. I know. <laughs> and, and clearly I landed on my feet thanks to Larry Scott with Pac-12 Network. But that was a not a very not a very clean process either. So this has happened before. But obviously this one, um, to me, and then Yogi, you take it. But to me, why I said what I did was because you know this move is not just leaving to look out for yourself, which everybody knows you're doing. You're looking out for yourself. Okay, cruel. You're not just leaving a partnership. You're nuking it. You're nuking it. And when you know that, that's where integrity must shine.
2: I have one thing to add. I'm, I'm reading the last line of the story about that uh, television deal in 2011. As part of the agreement, UCLA and Cal agreed to give up their historically larger share of the television revenues. That was the last word on that deal in U- 2011.
1: UCLA, we used to buy USC, you
2: mean? Right? Uh, UC, I do what I say. UCLA and USC agreed yes. to give up their historically. Larger yes. portion of the revenue
1: which is line. which as we know, that was you know. And look, this is, all right. I'm sorry, you'll get me to trample on you, but this is where I'm going to finish my rant here. But the other part of this is capitalism versus socialism today, because the pac Ten, and I wasn't around the Pack Eight, so I don't go back that far. But I was around the pac Ten for a long time, and the pac Ten was capitalist, and USC and UCLA brought more to the party. They they valued, they added more value to the asset. They Reaped more reward. When Larry Scott came in and the conference expands to 12, socialism. And Pat Hayden, to his credit as the AD at USC at the time, was the one that accepted and sold that to the USC hierarchy. This is for the betterment of all. And it's been a socialist enterprise. And I think the conference, athletically, I should say, has been a socialist enterprise, Michael, as you just said. And I think it's fairly clear that there was a segment of USC that didn't really like that. And it's interesting because over this decade where we've had socialism in the athletic revenue field, the football contributions have come from Oregon, Utah, Washington, Stanford, and now the last couple of years, Utah, right? Those four schools, Oregon and Washington to the national playoffs, Stanford to become a national power, and now Utah. Who's missing?
0: Yeah. 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 Oh, look, the only thing I can report on 100% is that the water is as blue as it seems on the internet in Tahiti because Molinari sent me a couple photos. (laughs) So that's my, that's my wilderness. All right, Yogi,
1: the podium is yours. Go for
0: it. So I was at the Elite 11. We were in Europe until Monday of that week. I woke up Tuesday morning, went to the Elite 11, the premier quarterback camp in the country. And away we go. And on the final day, uh, it's the final day of competition. I'm slated to go and do a bunch of media hits. And we're going to talk about these quarterbacks and how fun it is. Prior to that, I'm doing an interview with two esteemed parents who I've grown to really be fond of. Bryce Young's father, CJ Stroud's, Stroud's mother. We're doing like a parent seminar for all the top recruits families in the quarterback role. And it's amazing. Like the knowledge is off the charts and it's me and Andy Bark, a former Cal receiver, and Chris Peterson. Coach Peterson convinced them to come down and coach at the Elite 11 this year. And I'm looking to the desk to my right and my phone is like uncharacteristically blowing up. And I'm like, what is going on? And, you know, I'm, I'm doing this interview. I'm trying not to look at my device. So I sneak over towards the end and I see, and I just read like the headlines, USC, UCLA, rumored to depart. And this was in the rumorville, right? It was 9 45 in the morning or so I head out to practice. I find Coach Peterson. I know he's kind of in the know. All all the people are connected to the Pac-12. It is the only thing being talked about. Seven on seven and what the MVP ended up doing, no one was really discussing outside of the players on the field. And it was was surreal because you're on the sideline and all the reporters have access. right? Like anybody can be near you. So 24-7, rivals, like all the recruiting sites, they're coming up to me because I'm the Pac-12 guy. right? And they're asking me all... uh, pac is going to disintegrate. It's going to do that. Every rumor that we've read on Twitter was working in real time. Uh, thankfully, um, I didn't do any media because what was I going to say? Like it was just guessing. Right. And I'll credit our bosses being like, Hey, I would not advise. And I'm at the elite level where I'm the host of this thing. Like my job is to elevate it. They were cool about me not saying anything. And I just kind of soaked it all in camp ends. Went and had a burrito in Manhattan Beach. Uh, Molinari is one of his favorite spots right there on Rosecrans Avenue. You know exactly what I'm talking about. El Tarasco. El Tarasco, Yep. Yeah. So good. Yeah, you know, Ted. So uh, we have that. Camp ends. I drop Coach Pete off. And I come home and tell my wife. And we just start talking about it. And I think all of us had a dark moment over that first 48 hours of like, is the league going to crumble? Right? To what Ted said, are you going to nuke the league? Right. That's what it felt like, especially living and being in L.A. and talking to my contacts at all the local schools, let alone other places in the Pac-12. And you're just wondering, like, is Oregon and Washington? Like, what are they going to do? That was like the refresh. And have we heard anything? Have we heard anything? And then we got to Monday and that's where um, like the sun started to come out for me on this and talking to the powers that be in our league of like and even A.D.'s of hey, all these rumors are going on. But we live in a world for all the young journalists out there um where you don't necessarily have to get multiple sources you just run with it you just tweet it and and all of a sudden it just goes and it's big 12 is going to poach Pac 12 schools or all the rumors you could dream of and i got a text from an ad in our league and i and i'm going to save it forever because the quote was we will emerge by the way the big 12 stuff is bs (laughs) but he said we will emerge uh and and that was kind of like what i hung my hat on um you know, early last week. And now here we are now. And I still feel that. I feel that stronger than ever, right? We were going to, we're going to emerge without schools in LA, which is just weird. Living in LA, having coached at SC, what those schools have done, uh, how integral they've been to this league. And in every meeting, you felt they were as integral as ever within this league, especially with new leadership with George Klayovkov. But they made their move. Um, Wish him well. We're going to call a bunch of their games over the next two years. So we're not going to penalize them in that regard. We're going to crush it when we do it. Uh, but it was sad, and it is sad for me still that those two schools have left this footprint. And I just wonder in ten years when we look back on this, playoffs going to change the pack. Whatever is going to get an automatic qualifier. Like I hope USC and UCLA return to the glory that they had with Pete Carroll and Terry Donahue. Uh, but they're entering a different world too, right? It's just not going to be. I don't wanna say as easy or as smooth as it would have been or could have been in the pack. Uh, but it's it's so much is different. So I, I can't wait till we have this dialogue five, 10 years from now and look back and say, okay,
1: financially, yeah, it was great. But did you win? I don't know. And here's where, look, we all know this. We all know this because we've seen it. So the schools have their own financial holes, self-inflicted, self-inflicted. Universities, the two universities involved have financial holes from from unfortunate situations, let's say, that have occurred outside of athletics. Okay, so the money matters, yes. But we all know what's gonna happen in 2024 when one of them's football or basketball team has a really good season. And the day after the season ends, the AD gets the call from the agent. Say, hey, you know, I think it's probably a good idea that we talk about an extension for Coach X. And I think 30 million a year is a good starting point, don't you? Wait a minute, I read how much money you just took in this past year, how much revenue you generated. So I think 30 million a year is a good start point. And, And clearly I'm throwing stuff out at the wall here, but the concept you know will happen. The more you make, the more will be asked of you. And so to think that this is going to be some pot of gold at the end of the rainbow is a short, very, very short term. Look at this. And the other thing, which Yogi, last week we were talking, Yogi got me from the grapevine to Kettleman City on I 5. Well done, Yogi. And, but you said it, Yogi, and you take because this conference, it doesn't fit the narrative that's been written. I understand this now, but occasionally a very smart person does point out this conference has been ahead of the curve on all of the non revenue subjects that are vital in our especially to our college-age population today, right? Mm -hmm. Starting with mental health.
0: Mental health, concussion studies, all of those elements when it comes to pouring into the welfare of student-athletes, the pack has been amazing. We've got the uh, longest-running health insurance plan when your collegiate career ends compared to the other power leagues. And and those things may shift, but I just think that we live in this world that's so top-heavy, Right, like, oh, they haven't won a championship. The league's terrible. Mm -hmm. We're consistently third in NFL draft picks. We're consistently in the top probably twenty percent of graduation rates in all college programs, if not the peak at some of our schools. Like, I just, and and that's why I say, like, the league's not going to disintegrate. Right, it's not like Stanford, Cal, Arizona's, Uda, or whatever. They're not just going to quit football. And it's not like we live in the middle of West Texas. No offense to. Schools in the middle of West Texas, but we have markets, right? And and I'm I'm really excited for our teams, Uh, and and I believe this. And I was just talking to a former elite quarterback in our league earlier today, and I still believe that um, whatever's going on in NIL, whatever's going on with a new TV deal or realignment of teams, it's not like the high school athlete has gotten dramatically better because of that. And the NFL, last I checked, didn't add five teams. So the thing, same things are happening in recruiting. You have to develop players, and I don't think that even if you bring in hundred million dollars reportedly a year, you're going to add ten strength coaches to your staff. I'm just making a number up. I don't think that's going to make players that much better. Like I, I still think the development goes down to so many other elements: how they are coached, how they train, and it's not like our teams don't do that. Let's look at Utah. Most players drafted on the offensive defensive line the last decade yeah. in this league, and so I, and, I, and I'm not trying to be like. The defensive guy. I'm just saying that our league does a lot of good things. What haven't we done? Well, Oregon didn't finish. Utah didn't finish. Right? We didn't get teams to the playoff. But it's not like we just get rolled all year, right? Non-conference. Got to wear that last year. That was that was not okay. But when you look at whether it's ten years, five years, three or history, our league's competitive. It's got a ton of talent, and I still think if you took the sixth best team in our league and the sixth best team in any of the other leagues. I take our team. I take Cal, who I put at six, over anybody else in that slot in the other four power divisions.
2: So, Yogi, know, you don't think the third TV in the locker room, each person's locker is going to make a difference? That's not <laughs> going to. That's not going to win on the field. That yeah, I don't think a maybe on the at facility. the bottom where you put your shoes or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, can I? I want to give a little personal experience because when I moved out to L.A. Uh, millennia ago in two thousand three. My first assignment in television was the Big East West and the Big Ten. So I've lived Big East West where the old school was DePaul, Marquette, Louisville. They kind of combine things with the, uh, you know, I don't remember what conference it was. But so I flew every week, Thursday, most of the time would stay and do Saturday, come back. Sometimes I'd come back and go back. That was brutal. And, you know, I was a little older than these. I was probably in my late 20s, early 30s at the time. But that was absolutely brutal. And I can tell you, UCLA and USC, that travel for basketball will be absolutely brutal. Football will be tough, but basketball, and if they do Olympic sports like they may do, it's going to be absolutely brutal. And when I moved to the Pac-12 network, it was (laughs) life-changing because I spent a dramatic less amount of time on the plane. And the other part is when you're going to Iowa City in December, you're not guaranteed to get there. On the time it says on the itinerary so i i just think it's going to be a, a difficult road to hoe for guys in their 18 to 20 who've never been on a plane before going into that kind of mode
0: yeah you know so much is made around nil right now of nil dollars are going to players and it is ridiculous like i want to get into that being at the elite 11. um so i think a lot of athletic people in the our athletic world are saying well the, the dollars aren't going to the schools Right, they're going to the collective. So we have to take more money on the front end or on a media deal or whatever it may be. I look at right now the, the state of the game and especially with NIL, I wonder in recruiting if I am parents of a player in LA who let's just say goes to SC or UCLA. Let's just say my kid is the 50th best player, right? He plays on special teams, doesn't play a lot. I don't know if my kid's gonna have an NIL deal that's get, gonna get me on a plane. To go to all of his road games, and I just wonder how that shakes out with families of like in recruiting, and I don't think we'll know for a couple of years. Of like, do I want to get on a plane and have to fly to West Lafayette, have to fly to State College, have to fly to Rutgers? Maybe, but can I, and then fly to a bowl game? Maybe to like. I just think that those are the things that I'm sure everybody thought about making this decision. Clearly, you got you know trumpeted by a hundred million dollars or whatever reportedly it is. But I just wonder if I'm a family in Hawaii, and I'm like, you know, I kind of like going to Eugene, same, relatively the same time zone or not dramatically different than where I am. And I, I just think that's going to play out because I don't see 50 guys on every on both of those teams getting NIL deals with an airline saying, yeah, fly your team to the six road games. And I, I think that's going to have it. I think it's going to be an element in the recruiting.
1: Yeah. And, and I'll throw this in from experience in another sport. We just went through a Wimbledon. Where the Russian Ukraine thing factored in politically and significant. So, this was uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was working with somebody who was involved in the discussions by the men's association in tennis called the ATP to uh, to deny ranking points for Wimbledon. And I just asked about the fall, you know, I had two or three fallout scenarios that have come to play here this week. They're coming to play this weekend. I said, you know, how were they? really discussed, you know, that fallout is, and he goes, they weren't discussed. Nobody thinks about that. They just, you know, here's a, here's a, an issue. Here's a principle. We're going to stand on a principle. The fallout will happen. We'll figure it out when. So my point is, I guarantee you, that's what happened with these talks. Olympic sports, I'll figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Who thinks the tennis team's going to Rutgers? Come on. That's not going to happen. And they'll figure something out, they'll, whatever the answer will be. But I promise you, that was, I'd be stunned if that was part of any of this conversation. This was clearly about one sport and the revenues it generates and bailing us out of these financial holes that we're in. And and one of the things uh, I I did have a little bit of uh, insight from somebody who's involved, not in athletics, actually, but... Uh, The question that's been coming up a lot, and John Wilner, as we're speaking today, wrote a piece about the UC Regents having a meeting next week. So that's been the number one question where I live here in Northern California. I'm around Cal people all the time. How did this happen? How was UCLA allowed to go without Cal? And uh, uh, it has been, uh, I'm led to believe that because of the financial distress that Cal Athletics is in from their very, um, very poorly done football stadium issue of what, a decade ago. Uh, they are now being basically bailed out by the university, by the UC system is bailing Cal Athletics out of this financial hole, because there's no way, you know, Martin Jarmond is talking about folding sports. Cal would have folded sports a long time ago had this financial aid not come into play. As a result, Cal Athletics may not quite have the autonomy that it would normally have being beholden to the UC system for this financial help, but allowing the athletic program to sustain and not have to to contract. So that may, we'll we'll learn perhaps a little bit more when this reading Regents meeting happens next week, perhaps we will learn more. But that was one um, sensible possible answer to that question that I've heard more than any other living in Northern California over the last two weeks. So what do you
0: guys think about like, I look at these two teams, right? We're calling USC's opener, and I know we're jacked about it. The is going to be rocking, man. It's going to be sweet. And then we got UCLA two weeks later, and I think both of these teams have a chance to take a real run this year. I can't wait to see the offense of SC. I think they are score a boatload of points. UCLA, if I didn't love Utah as much as I did, I'd pick them to win the league. I think they're that good. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about these two teams playing this year? Like, What do you think they're going to meet on the other side when they get into conference play? Just kind of curious, like we haven't really talked about it in terms of the opponent, right? Like the other 10 schools, and they're going to play eight of them or seven because they play each other, know that they're out. I'm curious what it's going to be like in Salt Lake City in October when SC goes there. Cool. Do you think it's a net neutral and kids or whatever after the first drive, just go play?
2: I think for the fans, it'll add some juice. I remember when Boston College left the Big East and me too. And I was at Syracuse. I was doing TV at Syracuse at the time I had already graduated. But
1: single worst realignment decision in the history of college <laughs> athletics
2: thank you Bye, <laughs> so i would i would agree um and the fan every every big east fan when that team took the field like there was it was kind of like in a basketball game when the guy everybody hates catches the ball and everybody makes the loud noise or they're like trying to get on one guy's head that's what it felt like to me i actually i think i was doing the big east network football at the time anytime we had a bc game. They were just hated, and I, I can't imagine that USC and UCLA are going to go in any stadiums this year in football and not. There's not going to be a a much higher level of juice aimed at them. That would be my expectation. Yeah.
0: I just think it's interesting because we see that happen when it has something to do with the players. Often, this has nothing to do with the players, right? Like Kayla Williams isn't going to play in the Big Ten. We could we're projecting, right? Like just based on you know thinking he's gonna play for two years and, and that's it.
2: The college Versus- fans are front of Jersey, not back, Yogi. They yeah, yeah. You know, they're there there are people in Salt Lake City, and Eugene, and Seattle really upset with USC and UCLA, not yeah. any player on those teams. That's right. They're, they're they they hate on the they're gonna hate on the helmets and the uniforms, not the players.
1: Yeah. Um, so a flaw sadly of this conference that has existed for too long and will exist again this year is that USC and Oregon don't play. Amen. That that needs to be fixed. UCLA is at Oregon October 22nd, and I believe that will be the day. USC plays at Utah, which is the other day that's likely, but I would have a feeling that if it was USC at Oregon, that that would be the no question, no brainer day. UCLA at Oregon, I think, may have a little bit of it this year. Yeah.
0: Uh, so, uh, last question on this topic, um, and it'll be fun to bang this around. Ted, you referenced Stanford, UW, Oregon, Oregon, uh, Utah as teams that have won the pack in the last handful of years. Who? What do you think the opportunity is, or who has the greatest opportunity with those two teams leaving? Like, is it is it the obvious, like Oregon, like could be their league?
1: Opportunity you know? to do
0: what though? Like to kind of be that that brand. Like, what would the laziest term of all time that we'd hear on the East Coast would be. Just need SC to be good. The pack will be back, right? Well, they're not going to be around. Like, who who do you think is going to take the throne in the league if if there is one that that SC proverbial sat on?
1: Well, I I will chime in right now because I'm a, I mean, look, Oregon has had its runs. They had the run at the beginning of this 12 team conference with Chip there, and then they had Justin Herbert's two years, really good. Um, yeah, they've been there. Um, I don't believe personally for my time and spending a lot of time around the other parts of the country, I don't believe Oregon is quite the national brand that Oregon believes it is. I think in the East and the South, yeah, people know it. And, and this is me. So I'm gonna say something that I've not said yet. I, don't, I haven't said it to you guys, but I, I'm thinking outside the box, okay? We now have two conferences that are owned by ESPN, right? ESPN owns the SEC coming up and they own the ACC. Fox now owns the Big Ten. There is no question about it, they own it. Somebody else may get to be a partner with Fox likely, but Fox owns the conference. Okay, the PAC-12 could have done this, chose not to. Going forward, do they? Or is there an owner in the conference already? Shoe Dog. Shoe Dog. Who's Who's the most prominent person outside of USC and UCLA in the Pac-12, whatever you want to call it, athletics, Phil Knight. So we have TV running conferences. What about a brand? <laughs> what about if Phil, and we know where Phil is in his life and he loves his, his passion for Oregon, is unquestioned for Oregon athletics. He is also, as has been pointed out, a donor to Stanford, but I think it gets lost in the shuffle. He does not donate one cent to Stanford Athletics. his Every cent of his athletic donations go to Oregon. He donates to Stanford for business school and business school related, which is where he went, uh, activities. Anyway, point being, you wanna save this conference as as and keep the values in place that the current schools share. Oregon's the tentpole school going forward. Well, to me, they are the tentpole school and Phil Knight's the power. <laughs> so suppose you say going forward, we're a Nike League. And guess what? You have a deal with Under Armour or Adidas. And when your deal's up, you're going to be a Nike school. Mm-hmm. Whenever that deals, we can't violate contracts, but whenever that deals up, you're going to be a Nike school. We're going to be a Nike League. Guess what? Every field and every court in the conference got a big swoosh on it. I mean,
2: That'd pretty It's sweet.
1: so funny. I'm it's, just saying, I mean, no, I mean, I'm not if T V
2: can run these conferences, why can't Nike yeah. run one? We're, everybody has no problem with Apple or Amazon coming in and they're, they saying. sell stuff. So I'm what's saying. the difference? And I'm I saying
1: half the school, good. half the schools in the league are half the remaining schools in the league are, are Nike schools anyway. So we have a few outliers and whenever those contracts expire, you know, and of course, part of UCLA's financial disaster was a disastrous decision to do a deal with Armour, And, and that's part of the hole that they dug themselves. So my point is that hole wouldn't exist with Nike. So anyway, and I know that's a crazy idea, and people will look at me like I'm, you know, got three eyes or whatever. Okay, just threw it out there.
2: Um, Yogi's looking at me like I have three eyes. <laughs> no, I'm look I'm, at him. Look at him. Yogi, I, I, g- I, I, gather your thoughts. Yogi, I have something yeah. to say. Um, <laughs> not about that, but I. It's funny, the uh, in a, a quick tweet from our uh, partners at Fox Sports that went out about who should join the Big Ten next, which had a bunch of schools from the ACC and. Big 12 and Pac-12. One of the the
1: lowest rent tweets, by the way, you could. Yeah,
2: it it was low rent. It was, yeah, it was, I charge much more in my apartment in Boston, that's for sure, than the rent for that. But um, they had Oregon, Cal, Stanford, Washington, and no Utah on there. And I thought that's, it's funny you say the brand and the national brand and Utah has been amazing. And I, I think, I think Utah, is undervalued and maybe utah is a team that maybe they get a better foothold in the southern california recruiting market with a little bit of a void that's been created there and maybe that's the last piece they need to kind of maybe though are the ten of the flagship of this conference let,
1: let me let me just throw this out there too and this is something i said to people i was working for at the time the day jim harbaugh took the job in michigan I said do you think that jim harbaugh spent 12 seconds thinking about the fact that in taking this job at his alma mater and being paid a handsome, handsome salary to do so, do you think he thought for five seconds, you know, I'm going to have to go through Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan State just to get to my conference championship game, which took him seven years to do, by the way, he finally did this past year. Well, you go to the, you, you sign up for these super leagues and UCLA football is being held up right now is the prime example of that. You know, UCLA football has not been able to do very well on a consistent basis in the pack. Now you're going in to whatever form, who knows what form that conference is going to be, but you're going to have a lot of heavyweights in there. It's what Texas, I mean, it's what we understood last year, Texas and Oklahoma went to the SEC. Sure, they got the money, but they also thought they were going to have an expanded playoff. There's no way those schools go in there openly in a four-team playoff thinking, wait a minute, we're going to have to fight against Alabama and Georgia and Auburn and LSU and Florida every year for one spot, maybe two. No way that happens. They knew there was, or they they felt assured there was going to be an expanded playoff.
0: Yeah, I'm so, I'm so intrigued to see how this shakes out. I love the Nike idea. That is that is cool. And I haven't been on that campus a bunch. Yeah, I it, just it,
1: thought about you. And look, George. And I've th- what I just said here, that's the first time I've said it to anybody other than my beautiful wife. And George has been a master in his business career, finding solutions that other people don't see, right? That's what I've heard about George. Yeah. Well, that's what I started thinking. What's a solution you don't see? And I mean, there you go. You have the most powerful brand in athletic equipment in our footprint in a major place in a university that's a great, Oregon's a great university, and it should be the tent pole for the pack whatever it's going to be 2.0 why not that would cement it shoe dog shoe dog conference i like it i'm <laughs> into that
2: um no walton is a commissioner i don't know in you- <laughs> <laughs> title for sure in <laughs> yes. title sure. the emeritus, his, his emeritus commissioner. Th- yeah.
0: yeah uh all right um there's a lot more to talk about uh before we jump michael uh we haven't talked to you in a while on this podcast humanity moment of of the summer of the month? Do you have one for us?
2: I have a uh a special edition humanity moment, yeah. is what I have. Believe me, at some point this year we are gonna hear the great story of my hole in one, but folks are gonna to have to wait on that one. That's a great how much did that cost you? <laughs> more than a Simsies Beast farmers Market. <laughs> Three <laughs> rounds of Simsies. I have witnesses. <laughs> Yogi, were you asking me because you want, want to know how much more time we have before I'm doing this, or am I am I going now?
0: No, you're going now. I, I'm, a, I'm a basketball coach, summer league. Yes. Uh, we got, got practice tonight, okay. baby.
2: Okay. All right. Well, since it's a special edition, there's only one word that's come up in the last week. And, you know, Ted touched on it a bit at the top, but uh, honesty. It's one of the essential qualities that allow us for people to exercise their humanity. Honesty's importance is ingrained in you from a young age. Honesty is the best policy. A half truth is a whole truth. A half-truth is a whole lie. George Washington could not lie about chopping down the cherry tree. The fable of the boy who cried wolf. Old number nine, thou shalt not bear false witness. The Disney classic Pinocchio. The truth shall set you free. And my favorite from Mark Twain, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. Yet in these times, it seems like dishonesty is winning the day. The former president armed with alternative facts and his hacks won an election and then tried to steal another one. A far cry from George and the cherry tree. The richest man in the world, Tesla's Mr. Musk, whose rise has been fueled as much by empty promises as the promise of an electric powered utopia. Elon's currently trying to lie his way out of a deal he's having second thoughts about. And you can tweet that. The social media slash political correct slash cancel squad has created a nation of liars. It's more important to say what others want to hear rather than what you believe. Conviction replaced by conformity, First Amendment began. Last year at this time, I was crushing Texas and Oklahoma for stabbing the rest of the conference in the back under the cover of darkness, making a deal with the SEC. This year it's USC and UCLA's are involved in a similar scheme. I can't blame anyone at those institutions for taking the money. It added tremendous value to their future and their financials bottom line. But someone there should have considered in the long run, how you do things are as if not more important than what you do. It shapes how they view you and the integrity of your organization. And I think there's still some value in that.
1: I miss your humanity. That was good. Yeah. Yogi, when you think about this, when I mean Michael's so brilliant with this, and how lucky we are to have him because when he was offered that chance to be the vice president and executive producer for the Cornhole Network, and what did he do? He called both of us, right? He
2: did. And he said, called the guys. I said, cough on some money,
1: baby. Tr- some money. I'm going to cornhole. They're trying to get me. And Michael Gave us a heads up, and thankfully, we kept them. Thankfully, didn't have
0: to read about it on Twitter. Appreciate that.
1: Can I can I throw in one really quick one here? Because I don't want to step, Michael. That was excellent. That was excellent. But a very quick humanity moment. Last Friday, I got an email that made me smile more than I've smiled in a long time. In the aftermath of the 50th anniversary of Title IX, the University of Notre Dame is going to honor 250 athletes coming up in October. 250 athletes that will be given what should have been given before membership in the Monogram Club. Monogram athletes at Notre Dame. These are athletes who played from 1972 or three to 1978 in sports that were club sports. These athletes were women. Notre Dame allowed women in for the first time in 1972. They did not have varsity sports for women until 1979. So athletes who played in club sports Will all be brought back for a football weekend and honored. My wife is one of them. And Damn. I am so thrilled that Notre Dame is stepping forward. And it's just, it's, it's just a right thing. It's so right to do. And 250 athletes. They were athletes. They played for the school and they're getting honored. And as I texted my classmate Joseph Montana, I said, Mary's gonna have the same jacket as you, big boy. <laughs> but I think and, and I say that. And I know, it, 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 but what I'm saying, why I'm telling you that, because it's, I'm just so proud of Notre Dame for doing it. I hope other schools do the same. I hope the schools in our league who have been so advanced on equity and gender issues do the same. Honor these women that played before varsity sport was the norm, and because they, did, they deserve it. They've earned it. That's awesome.
2: Congratulations oh, to wow. Marion. That's awesome.
0: Chills. Chills. We're not walking out of your house this fall without calling her a letter... Sorry woman walking, crawling, however we get out of the house. I'd
1: like you to meet my jock wife. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Amen. All right, fellas. I love you. We'll do it again soon. Thanks for subscribing. We are closer and closer to media days, training camp, the season right around the corner.
1: Peace.